0: Guys, I got this. We're a little shorthanded this morning, but uh, it's great to see all of you. Uh, hope that you've had an incredible week uh, doing your circles. And if you're a guest here today, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but we uh, started a series last week that's been a game changer for me, and it's getting even bigger. It's getting even uh, like more like okay, I, I got a lot to change here. Uh, But I I definitely feel this. We talked about this last week. If you're a guest here, we we start a series called Circle Maker. And uh, you're going to see a little bit, and I'll explain, kind of give us a background of what we did last week. If you want to watch the message or hear the message, you can go to our website and listen to it again. Uh, I think even Robert uh, found a way to get on YouTube and watch it there also. So you can talk to him afterwards if you need more help with that. But if you're a guest, I want to welcome you. And our church is all about... Uh, growing people's faith, and drawing people into a growing relationship with with God. And uh, one of the things we talked about last week in our first lesson of the series is this. Because a lot of people don't have this on straight. God is for you. God is for you. He doesn't hate you. He's not mad at you. He is for you. Now, obviously, he wants things from you, and he's trying to help you. But he's for you. He's in your corner, and we talked about that. And you know, if we just get that, that can lead us into a whole different prayer life. And this whole series is is about prayer. Uh, you know, in the in the world, we talk about. Uh, well, my goal for this year is uh, I'm going to lose ten pounds, or I'm going to I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm gonna I'm gonna do all these things, right? In the world, you know, people around us, they talk about that a lot. Uh, and then what happens? Uh, 99% of the time people don't reach their goals and a lot of it is because they don't include God in on So we have a different take here in our church We want to include God in everything And if we really want to see change a bad habit or something that's going on in our lives We want God to be included in that And so that's why we start every year talking about big prayers And it's been amazing to see what God has done even this year so far uh, another thing we talked about uh, last week that I, I kind of gave each one of you a, a challenge, that you're going to establish a regular prayer habit this week for 21 days. Uh, so how'd that go for you? Let me just ask, uh, how many of you were able to, uh, to establish a habit for at least the last seven days? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just going to ask if you haven't been able to do that, and if you had six out of seven, or I want to encourage you to, to, to restart this this week. Okay, no matter what happened, maybe you got sick, you know, we got some sick people uh, that you got the flu or whatever and, you know, but hey, hit the reboot button. This is important. Then restart for 21 days. Another thing that we're going to look at today in our our lesson, and let me just say this, you get to come to church these next few weeks to watch movies. Isn't that cool? I mean, last week was cool because people come to church and they get to watch a movie. Uh, We're going to do that again today. So no popcorn, though. You get afterwards, maybe. But uh, this is what we're going to be talking about today. And, and for the women in the house, you're going to leave here very inspired, incredibly inspired, because you're going to hear a story that is going to blow you away, especially young mothers. You're going to hear a story that's it's awesome. But let me ask you this question. Can the dreams and prayers of one person really make a difference? You say yes, but do you believe it for you? Maybe somebody else's prayer, maybe somebody else's situation, but do you believe that for you? Do you believe? And I, if you say yes, if you said yes, or if you're thinking yes, I want to bring it back to how's your regular prayer life going and your belief in when you pray, do you believe that history could be changed because of your prayers? Now what do you say? Now I don't hear the yeses like before, you know, because because and, and that's that's a reality. I gotta I gotta do a gut check for me too. If we prayed like we believed that, then everything would be different. And the, and the answer to the question is absolutely. Can the prayers of one person you're gonna see that? Our nation's history, we talked about that last week. Our nation's history is built on people's prayers, and those prayers change the nation. How about you? How about if today, here in church, if God put something on your heart and you prayed about it, that it could influence our nation and our future? I mean, that's intense. So today, we're going to look at that. Last week, we looked at this story. Uh, It's a legend. Uh, It's a historical event that was passed down by rabbis, that there was a prophet. He was an old sage. His name was Honi. And he basically drew a circle. They needed rain like we do in California, but even worse. It hadn't rained in a year. And it was such a severe drought, it was about to wipe out a generation. There was no crops. They didn't have irrigation like we do today. Uh, They can't import water from Washington and Oregon like we do today this was a desperate situation. But this guy, Honi, he drew a circle. He drew himself in the circle, and he told God, I am not leaving this circle unless you send us rain today. And it rained. And he didn't stop there. He said, it's not for this rain that I ask, but for torrential rain. And it rained harder. And he didn't stop there. He said, it's not for this rain that I ask, but I ask for a rain of blessings and grace on your people. And then the sun peeked through the rainstorm, and it was a light shower. And it was a, a prayer, a bold prayer, that changed the generation. So today we're going we're gonna to look at another historical event of our nation. We're going to also look at a story that, that Moses looked at. So uh, Get ready, and and I would encourage you, get your notepad out, because there's going to be some things you're going to hear in this video that are crucial for you in your life and what's happening in your life right now. Okay, so let's lower the lights, and let's watch the video.
1: I have a few places that I go when I need to dream big or pray hard or think long. Spend a lot of time on the rooftop at Ebenezer's Coffee House. Sometimes I'll spend half a day at the National Cathedral or the National Gallery of Art. I love the Lincoln Memorial at night. The Lincoln is where Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech on August 28, 1963. Well, Washington, DC is filled with memorials to Civil War heroes. Among them, Ulysses S. Grant, and of course, our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. It was Lincoln who held the union together during the Civil War. It was Lincoln who signed the Emancipation Proclamation, but it was also Abraham Lincoln who credited a young mother named Harriet Beecher Stowe with starting the war and ending slavery. Hattie was born into the most distinguished family of clergymen in America. Her father, Lyman Beecher, was considered the greatest orator in America. That mantle was then passed down to her brother Harry Ward Beecher, but it was Hattie who would have the greatest impact on American history. It was a Sunday morning in 1851 during a communion service when Hattie had a vision of an old slave being beaten to death. That vision left her so shaken that she could hardly keep from weeping She walked home with her children from church and skipped lunch, she immediately started writing down the vision God had given her as words poured from her pen. When she ran out of paper, she found brown grocery paper and continued to write. When she finally stopped and read what she wrote, she could hardly believe what she had written. Hattie said that God wrote the book, she just put the words on paper. In January of 1852, a year after Harriet Beecher Stowe's vision, the 45-chapter manuscript was ready for publication. The publisher, John P. Jewett, didn't think the book would sell many copies, but 3,000 copies were sold the first day. The entire first printing was sold out by the end of the second day. The third and fourth printing were sold out before the book was even reviewed. Well, the book that Jewett didn't think would sell many copies ended up in almost every house in America, including the White House. No novels had a greater effect upon the conscience of a nation than Harriet Beecher Stowe's vision, also known as Uncle Tom's Cabin. When Hattie met President Lincoln, he said, so you're the little woman who started this great war. Never underestimate the power of one prayer. God can do anything through anyone who circles their big dreams with bold prayers. God can use the bold prayer of an old sage to end a drought or the bold pen of a young mother to end slavery. If you have the courage to circle your dream in prayer, you never know how or when or where God might answer it. Well, right in the middle of the nation's capital is a small island where I love to hang out, nestled right between Georgetown and National Airport. It's called Roosevelt Island, named after one of my heroes, Teddy Roosevelt. Well, Teddy Roosevelt had an interesting habit. Every now and then, he would go outside with his naturalist friend, William Beebe, and they would look up into the night sky they would locate a faint spot of light in the lower left-hand corner of Pegasus, and they would recite the following. This is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. It's one of 100 million galaxies. It's 750,000 light years away. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our own sun. Then the president would say to his friend, with a smile. I think we feel small enough now. Let's go to bed. Well, in Isaiah 55, it says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, the difference between God's ways and our ways is compared to the distance from one side of the universe to the other. Let me try to put that into perspective astrophysicists have discovered galaxies 15.5 billion light years away. Well, that distance is virtually incomprehensible. And God says that's the difference between our thoughts and his thoughts. So here's my thought. Your best thought on your best day falls 15.5 billion light years short of how great and how good God really is. By definition, a big dream is a dream that's bigger than you are. In other words, it's beyond your human ability to accomplish. And that means that there are gonna be moments where you doubt yourself, and that's normal. And that's when you need to remind yourself that God is able to do 15.5 billion light years beyond what you can ask or imagine. So if your dreams seem impossible, Well, then you need to expand the radius of your prayer circles. Before the first raindrop fell, Honey had to feel a little foolish. I mean, standing inside a circle and demanding rain is a risky proposition. And then vowing that you won't leave the circle until it rains is even riskier. Honey backed himself into a quarter or drew himself into a circle, and the only way out was a miracle. See, drawing prayer circles often looks like an exercise in foolishness, but that's faith. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. You know, Noah looked foolish building a boat in the middle of the desert, the Israelite army looked foolish marching around Jericho blowing trumpets, a shepherd boy named David. Look foolish charging a giant with a slingshot. The wise men looked foolish tracking a star to Timbuktu. Peter looked foolish getting out of a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus looked foolish wearing a crown of thorns. But the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. The walls came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The wise men discovered the Messiah. Peter walked on water. And Jesus was crowned the king of kings. Foolishness is a feeling that Moses was very familiar with. He had to feel foolish going before Pharaoh and demanding that he let God's people go. He felt foolish raising his staff over the Red Sea. And he most certainly felt foolish promising meat to eat for the entire nation of Israel in the middle of the wilderness. But it was his willingness to look foolish that resulted in epic miracles, the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, and one of my favorite miracles in scripture, the quail miracle. In Numbers 13, the Israelites are complaining about the menu. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember all the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. And day after day, we have nothing to eat but this manna. Well, despite their complaining, God patiently responds with one of the most unbelievable promises in Scripture. He doesn't just promise a one-course meal of meat. God promises meat to eat for a month And Moses can hardly believe it. He says, here I am among 600,000 men on foot and you say, I will give you meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? You can almost see Moses doing the math in his mind and it does not add up, not even close. I mean, he's trying to think of any conceivable way that God could fulfill this promise. And he can't think of a single scenario. Have you ever been there? You know that God wants you to take the job that pays less, but it doesn't add up. You know that God wants you to go on the missions trip, but it doesn't add up. You know that God wants you to get married or go to grad school or adopt, but it doesn't add up. Drawing prayer circles around big dreams it often feels foolish. And the bigger the circle you draw, the more foolish you're going to feel. But if you aren't willing to step out of the boat, you'll never walk on water. If you aren't willing to circle the city, the wall will never fall. And if you aren't willing to follow the star, well, you'll miss out on the greatest adventure of your life. Moses learned this lesson well. If you don't take the risk, you forfeit the miracle. In 1996, National Community Church was meeting in a DC public school and the school was closed because of fire code violations. Well, we were on the verge of becoming a homeless church and we had nowhere to go. We looked into at least 25 different options, but it seemed like every door we knocked on was just slammed in our face. And that's when I dared to dream big and pray hard. I remember the day I walked into Union Station to inquire about renting the movie theaters for our Sunday services. To be honest, I felt intimidated by the opportunity. I mean, it seemed too good and it seemed too big. I mean, we were only a church of 50 people at that point and Union Station was the most visited destination in Washington, D.C. I mean, how could we hold services in a place where 25 million people pass through every year And we barely filled a large living room. See, the dream was too big for me, but it's never too big for God. And what seemed too big then eventually became too small to contain what God would do in us and through us. So let me take a moment and just retrace that prayer circle. Before asking the manager if we could rent the movie theaters on Sunday mornings, I prayed seven circles around Union Station on several occasions. And finally, after circling Union Station long enough to build up enough courage, I finally walked in the front doors, crossed that great hall down the escalator and under the marquee and into the theater. Well, I didn't know how the theater manager would respond, but here's what I didn't know. Three days before I walked into the theater, AMC Theaters launched a nationwide program recruiting businesses and nonprofits to use their theaters when the screens were dark. I mean, as far as I know, we were the first group to respond to that initiative and we had no idea it was even going on. But God did. And God didn't just open an amazing door of opportunity. It was like he rolled out the red carpet. Well, On the way out of Union Station, after signing a lease with the theater, I picked up a history of Union Station. I opened it up and the first thing I saw was the bill of Congress signed by Teddy Roosevelt on February 28, 1903. It simply said, a bill of Congress to create a Union Station and for other purposes. It's that last phrase, and for other purposes that jumped off the page and into my spirit. I mean, nearly 100 years after that bill was passed, Union Station started serving God's purposes through the ministry of National Community Church. You know, Roosevelt thought he was building a train station, because he had no idea that he was building a church. I mean, a church with a mass transportation system, a parking garage, even 40 food court restaurants right outside the marquee. And our capital campaign, it was funded by Congress. One of my favorite promises in scripture is found in Revelation 3. It says that what God opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. See, I have placed before you an open door. Well, I circled that promise in prayer, and God opened the door. In recent years, I've realized that I only circled half of that promise. I prayed for open doors, but not closed doors. I mean, quite frankly, we love it when God opens doors for us, but closed doors, not so much. But here's what I've realized. You can't half circle the promises of God. It's a package deal. You can't pray for open doors if you aren't willing to accept the closed doors because often one leads to the other. If God hadn't closed the doors to that D.C. public school, well, we would have never walked through the doors at Union Station. Well, let me tell you how this story ends in Numbers 13. The promise doesn't add up, but Moses has the faith to circle the promise. In fact, he proclaims the promise to the Israelites. And then it says, Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It brought them down all around the camp to about two cubits above the ground, as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. Well, the Israelites were in the wilderness of Paran. It was a region about 50 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea and about 50 miles southwest of the Dead Sea. And the significance of that is this. Quail tend to live by water and they don't fly long distances. If it weren't for a supernatural west wind, they would have never made it that far inland. And so this is a meteorological miracle. And assuming that the quail were of average size, It rained somewhere in the neighborhood of 105 million quail. God doesn't just provide in dramatic fashion. God provides in dramatic proportion. Moses could have never anticipated this miracle. It was unpredictable. It was unprecedented. But Moses had the guts to circle the promise. And when you circle the promise, it's cloudy with a chance of quail. So don't worry about the arithmetic. That's God's job. Stick to geometry. Your job is not to crunch numbers and make sure the will of God adds up. Your job is to draw circles in the sand. And if you draw the circle, God will multiply the miracles in your life. I want to leave you with a question this week. It's the same question that God asked Moses right before the quail storm. But it's more than a question, it's the question. And I believe that your answer to this question will determine the size of your prayer circles. Here it is. Is there any limit to my power? Now the obvious answer to that question is no. God is omnipotent, which means by definition, There is nothing God cannot do. God is infinitely bigger than your biggest dreams or greatest fears. Yet many of us pray as if our problems are bigger than God. In fact, we reduce God to the size of our worst failure or greatest fear. One of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, said that a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, but a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. If that's true, and I believe it is, then your biggest problem isn't an impending divorce or a failing business or a doctor's diagnosis. Now, I'm certainly not making light of your relational or financial or health challenges, but you have to answer this question. Are your problems bigger than God? Or is God bigger than your problems? Our biggest problem is our small view of God. That's the cause of a hundred lesser evils, but it's a high view of God that is the solution to all other problems. Is there any limit to my power? Have you answered that question? There are only two options, yes or no. Until you come to the conviction that God's grace and God's power know no limits, you'll draw small prayer circles. But once you embrace the omnipotence of God, you will draw ever-enlarging circles around your God-given, God-sized dreams. How big is your God? Is He big enough to heal your marriage or heal your child? Is He bigger than a positive MRI or a negative evaluation? Is He bigger than your secret sin or your secret dream? Now, let me leave you with a challenge. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. You know, Peter looked awfully foolish getting out of that boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of the night. But if you don't get out of the boat, you'll never walk on water. You know, maybe you've been dreaming big for a long time, but there comes a moment when you need to take a step of faith. Now, you better not get out of the boat if Jesus hasn't said, come. But if Jesus says, come, well, then you better not stay in the boat. What is the next step of faith that you need to take? Well, it begins by praying a circle around whatever it is. Then you need to step out in faith. That's what Renee Reed did. So uh, let me ask
0: you a question. What's your view of God based on the problems that are affecting your life right now? And uh, we're going to do a little Bible study. I'm not going to leave you here, but this, this particular video and the Bible study, I mean, brought me to my knees to understand my view of God is not high and big enough. And this is so significant because I believe many of us are struggling with problems, and they get so big, and they dominate our lives, they dominate our focus, they take over our family, they take over our marriage, simply because we're not including God in on the picture so uh i don't know how many of you got your your cards uh and if you've had a chance to fill them out we're going to talk about this in a little bit if you did not get one uh our ushers are going to be passing them out in a little bit but this is huge that you decide and and what he said in the in the video mark shared he says as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts how big is god you know, he talked about the distance between one of the galaxies and Earth is 15.5 billion light-years. That, that that's like completely out of our understanding. We can't understand. We can't even comprehend that. Do any of you know the width of our universe? Now, they frame it in this way. They frame our universe in the seeable width of the universe. Anybody know what our, our universe is with? And every time they go out, it gets bigger. Any idea? Between 46 and 47 billion light years. That's what we know. Last year they came out with, they they found, you know, a, a, a quasar that's even further. So it keeps getting bigger. But let me ask you this his ways and your ways, how do they compare? And if you and I don't have a right view of God, guess what happens? Our problems get big, and they take over our lives. And we have a a bad understanding of who God is. And this is the question. Is there any limit to my power? This is God asking you, is there any limit to my power? Is there anything that I cannot do? And you've got to answer, and you've got to wrestle with that question. And the easy one is to say, yes, but... What about my situation right now that I'm facing in my life? Or what about this situation? What about the other situation? And these are the same questions that people have faced throughout history. But I believe if we can get a right view of God, things are going to start happening that will blow our minds. And and as he said in the video, faith is the willingness to look foolish. Many of us aren't experiencing incredible miracles because we're not willing to look foolish, to act foolish, to live foolishly. We want to fit in with everybody else. And And I want to just be honest with you guys. Your greatest struggle as teens is going to be want to fit in. And I understand that. But it doesn't stop with you. As adults, what happens with us? We get in a neighborhood, we get in a school environment, and we want to fit in. Let me just say this. If you're a guest here today, following Jesus, living this kind of life, does not fit in. But you have to ask yourself, do you want your life to get entangled like people around us? I do not. I do not want my life, my marriage, my family, my career to get entangled like everybody else. I believe there's, there's a higher way to live. So we're going to look at this passage. It really plays this out, and it's awesome because it's going to really identify some serious problems that we have. This was a situation that Jesus came down from a mountaintop experience with four of his disciples, the closest ones, actually three, the closest ones to him, and it was called the transfiguration. They're walking down the mountain. It was an incredible experience, and he finds his other Nine disciples arguing and fighting with teachers of the law. And he asked them this question, what are you guys arguing about? He asked, and a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Now, this is a father whose son has been robbed of speech. And it gets more intense. This spirit that he had was trying to take his son's life on many occasions. This is a serious problem. And he goes on to say, I brought him to him, but whenever it, it says, he goes on and says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him into the ground. It, he foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So we've got a problem that the disciples couldn't fix. Have you got a problem that you haven't been able, through your prayers, been able to fix. And I, I guarantee you, there's probably one or more that you haven't been able to fix. And this is something that they were facing. And what was Jesus' reaction when he saw this problem, when he saw this situation? He says, you, belie- you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long am I going to stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So Jesus takes over the situation. And what's he saying to the people around? What's the problem? Is it the boy has a demon that can't be cast out? What's the problem? Their view of God. And in many regards, what is really our problem? Our view of God. And so he asked them to bring the boy, and in verse 21 it goes on to say, Then he asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It is often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, this phrase right here, if you can. At that, you want to get Jesus riled up? Ask him if you can. And this is, you know, if you can help me with my problem. So there's a question mark. Is this problem too big for God? Is this problem, is this situation too big for God? And so this is a question that he asked Jesus. And how do you think Jesus is going to respond to this question? Well, here it is. If you can, Jesus responds, everything is possible for 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 one who believes. He just straightens it out. What's the problem here? You have a wrong view of God. If you can, everything is possible. Not only your son, but every situation. God is greater than all these situations. But what was the problem for the apostles? What's the problem for this man? And he comes out and says it. This is the best answer. If you ever find yourself in this situation where God is challenging you, here's what you need to say. Here's the answer. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, I have faith, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And this is where you and I sit. This is where I sit. I don't know about you, but this is where I sit. I do believe. I believe God is bigger than me. I believe God is greater than me. I believe is God is greater than any of my problems in any of our situations. I believe God is bigger than the United States of America. I believe he's bigger than any high authority, any governing authority. He's bigger than the, 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 all the governments put together. He's bigger than the universe. But it, when it comes down to facing my challenges and facing my problems, help me unbe- overcome my unbelief. Here's what he's saying. God... Help me right-size you. Because right now, my problem seems, my situation seems bigger than you. After he, Jesus had gone indoors with his disciples, now, I'll, I'll go ahead and let me just read to you the rest of the, the story in, 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 Luke chapter, in Mark chapter 9. It's important that you hear what happened. I didn't put it on the screen, but... Look at, look at what happened, how the story ends in verse 25. When Jesus saw the crowd and was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit. I mean, he kind of straightened out the mute spirit, which I appreciate. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And then it says here, after he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Why couldn't we drive it out? You did it, but we couldn't. And, and look at what he says here. This is key. This is something you need to write down. He replied, this kind, this kind of What? This kind of spirit or this kind of problem? This kind of problem can only come out through what? What does prayer do for us? Prayer helps us to right-size God. When you don't pray, guess what happens to God? He gets smaller. Guess what happens to your problems and your situations? They get bigger, and they take over your life. And some of you are facing serious challenges in your life simply because you do not pray and you haven't prayed. Now you're here in church. What do you think we're going to tell you? Pray, man. You need to pray. But I feel like I waste time. See, because you've already gotten dumbed down so much to the point where you don't even believe prayer works. I would invite you to spend some time with us here in this church because we have seen some incredible things done by prayers every year every year we start out with big prayers and every year God blows us away with things that happen in our midst and so even this past week you know I'd like to introduce to you a couple uh, Danny and his wife if you guys could, could stand up please it's okay they were baptized on Tuesday night Thank you. Tuesday night at a regional midweek, they were baptized. Do you guys know how serious of a state their marriage was in? Crisis? I'm going to put them on the spot a little bit. Their marriage was in trouble. It was in serious trouble. And they decided, God's bigger than our problems. And them and all the Whittier family were praying for them and and they went through the Bible studies, and there was a healing of forgiveness that happened in their marriage. there were tears, and then there was laughter and joy. And they hit the reset button right there. In our world today, just let me say it. In our world today, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Do you have any miracles we need? But see, these don't happen enough because people aren't humble enough to say, "You know what? I need God." And, and I appreciate the apostles. They came to Jesus in private and they said, "Jesus how come I'm not? How come we're not? And he says, listen, you you can only deal with this in prayer, and not just in prayer, but dealing with your problem is that you do not have a right view of God. God is small, and your problems are big, and that's why you're not seeing things happen in your life. Here's the thing. We reduce God to the size of our problems, and therefore, they do not change. And we go from weakness to weakness to weakness, and then we give up and we get hard-hearted. And God, we, here's what we do. We want God to fix our problems, but we do not want him to direct our lives. We see God as our problem solver, and we pray to him as our problem solver. Now, this one got me, okay, because... I see this in my own life. I take too many problems to God, but there are certain areas of my life where I don't just lay them at his feet and say, okay, now you direct it. You, you You take the reins. Here's how it looks. Question, is God greater than our problems? Is God greater than our lives? If God is greater than our problems, then why don't we let him direct them? If God is greater than our lives, then why don't we let him direct them? You know it. There are certain areas of your life you are fully in control. And, and, and as you're, if you're a guest here today, I'm going to give you a break. to, you, know, you can check your email or text message. I've got to talk to our members here for a second. And I've got to tell you straight up. Some of you, it's so obvious that you are living your lives with you in control and not in God in control. You use God as your problem solver. But it, when it comes to him really directing the steps of your life, hmm, no, because you got your own agenda. And you got your own fixes. And you use God. And if he is greater than you, then why won't you let him? And, and this is a sticker that they put on, on cards. I don't know if you've seen them. It, it, it's kind of a, a thing that they've done. He is greater than I. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is greater than you? Then if he is, why aren't you willing to tr- entrust your life and your decisions and your steps in your pattern of living, and your, your choices that you make, in your marriage, in your family, and your career, why aren't you willing to entrust him to? Because this, you want to put this on your car, it sounds cute, but if you want to live this, it's a whole different story. You know, on want any prayer cards. We have these things on the back, you know. Have you guys t- taken a look at these? Yes. They're called the springboards of faith. If this is true, if this is true, Guess what's going to happen in your life? Your life is going to revolve around this, around these five things, because these five things have been proven, not scientifically, but they've been proven in church after church after church. There is clear evidence. These five things, one of them, it's circumstantial. The rest of them, you do them. you, You act upon them. If you practice these first four things, what happens to your faith? it grows and guess what happens to your view of God it grows guess what happens to your problems they get smaller now I got I got to share this with you and be open about our church and sometimes I do this we have a lot of problems in our church we got a lot of people with problems in our church I get phone calls uh, they find their way to me, they find their way to my wife, they find our way to the elders, they find our way to people, and they, they let us know. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Their marriage is in trouble. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And, and and did you hear about this and you hear about that? And I go, amen. And and some of these questions, I go, I, I want to help. But let me tell you the honest truth. Some of them I cannot help. I can't help. All the appointments in the world, all the times, all the Bible study. I could even pray over them with them. I can't help them. You want to know why I can't help them? Because this isn't clear. This, this issue is not clear. Guess who's greater than God? They are. And until they fix this, I, those problems aren't gonna go away. They're gonna perpetuate. And we get so many people that leave the church and they come back to the church with a limp. And I don't mean a physical limp. I mean an emotional scar that's going to be there for the rest of their life. And do you know why that happened? Because they rearranged the equation. And some of you have been coming to church for a while and you like church, but you do not believe this. You do not believe this. You may say it, but you don't believe it. And then we want to talk about big prayers and God doing big things. He is going to start to do big things in your life when you get this equation on straight. And when I do too. Because some things kind of bubble to the surface. I'll be honest with you guys. Finances. Mm. We're in one of the most financial situations. Tight times in our lives. We've got two kids in college and it's tight. I mean, it's spandex tight. <laughs> you know, and I just go, wow. And I, I gotta be honest with you guys, I worried over the Christmas holiday. I worried a lot. I was stressed over it. I woke up at night and I'm like, oh, what are we gonna do? And I go, wait a second. Where are these? Where's this equation? Is God greater than my financial situation? Absolutely. And what am I stressing over? Why don't I spend more time in prayer over the situation and then leave it at his feet and stop worrying so much? It was very convicting. And Jesus said, this kind can only come out with Prayer. So I want to ask some of you, because I know the truth of the matter is, I know how you live. People around you know how you live. You're not entrusting God with your life. You're playing church. You're bringing your kids here because you like your kids to be involved in something wholesome. But when it comes down to God really being in control of your life and your decisions versus you doing what you want, when you want, He's not in control. And so, until you get this equation that we looked at on straight, you're it's, it's not going really ha- to have this incredible breakout. And when you get that on straight, what happens to our problems? You know that, that, that quote that, that, that he shared, the Tozer quote, where he says, your view of God affects, it says it here, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred less evils. But a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal temporal problems. 10,000. What what would happen if God could help you take care of 10,000? We talk about 10,000 reasons. How about 10,000 problems? Let's write a song about 10,000 problems. What could God do if you got this equation on straight? What could he do with your 10,000 problems? They would just shrink. You go, yeah, it's a situation, but I really don't have control over it, so I'm going to leave it to God, and it's going to work its way out. He's got control over my life. All right, so let's move on. I want to encourage you to go through these springboards of faith, okay, for our members. And if you're a guest here today, I, 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 you know, take a look at them. This is, this is something that, that we do. Uh, but, but I want you to take a look at these springboards of faith, and and rededicate yourself to them and how can I tell and I talk about this often but some of you 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 kind of show up to church you you show up late and you you leave early why you never ask yourself the question when does God want me here it's when I want to be here and I want to be here when things have already started and I want to sit in the back where nobody will notice Hey, that's fine. That's fine. You, you do what you want because God gives you the prerogative to make the choice. But let me tell you, let me tell you, if you want God to come and fix your problems when there's a, 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 a bad order of things, I mean, come on. Really? Is God a genie or is he God? And if you really want him to fix your marriage and lead your children and lead your career, and bless your life like Moses, like the followers of Jesus, then he will, and he wants to. So I want to show you guys a video of what we did last week. We had a a number of people who were there, and you've got to ask yourself, Well, you're watching the video, why did these people do this? So we're going to need to turn the, the sound up on this video. Some of you are going to see your faces. But this is what our life should be like. And the impact that it can have. So let's lower the lights and we'll watch this, this couple minute video of last week. Hey, I want I to congratulate everybody that came out and helped serve. And if you didn't, don't feel guilty. Just, just you know, kick in your part now and, and decide, you know, hey, I want to be, be an active participant in the hand of God helping our community. And, and like I said here, faith must be cultivated and protected. Some of you aren't protecting your faith. You're not cultivating your faith. And you wonder why it gets so weak when the problems come. You know, it has to be something that you invest time in. And so let's, let's wrap this up. I want to encourage you this week to ask for courage. Ask for courage to get out of the boat. Whatever your boat is, whatever your situation is, whatever your comfort zone is that you feel like you're, you're running your life, you're doing it your way, I want, to, I want to encourage you to pray for God, ask God for courage, and ask God to direct your life, not just fix your problems. Stop looking at God as a genie or a mechanic. He's not a mechanic. He wants to direct your life, and he wants to bless your life. And let me just say, the end of next month, it'll be 29 years that God has been involved in my life. For the most part, he's been directing it. Now, there have been times where I grabbed the wheel back, but let me tell you what he's done in the 29 years that he's been driving my life. No comparison compared to what the way I used to drive my life the way he does. He is greater than I, and he's going to do a much better job. And then face your faith or lack of it. How's your faith? It's time some of you get honest, not just with yourselves, but maybe sit down with somebody else and say, hey, help me do a faith evaluation. And you can use these five springboards of faith to kind of go through it. If you have no time to read your Bible, no time to to, to grow your faith, to pray, uh, to be involved, like, I, I don't have time to do any of this stuff. And you got to go, okay, why is your faith getting weak? And then the last thing is, as I I said, last week I asked you, we want to pray, and this is much more than a prayer campaign. This is a life change. I want to encourage you to keep on praying for a revival like we've never seen in our lifetime in our church. Would you pray that? And you just might see your life change. And if you're a guest here today, I want you to know we're praying for you. The person that brought you is going to pray for you. That could be really good. could be a little scary. Because in my case, things start happening. God starts shaking your tree. And I'm grateful for those prayers, but they weren't fun at the time. Because they got my eyes open. And to wrap things up, we're going to look at a passage that was mentioned in the video. And this is awesome. Revelation chapter 3, verse Seven and eight, it says, These are the words of Him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. What He opens, no one can shut. And what He shuts, no one can open. This is the double edged prayer that He talked about. And you know, some of us like the open part. I do. But what about the closed part? And we're going to take the communion now. And what I want to encourage you with the open part, Jesus through his death and his resurrection, has opened a door for you that can, no one can shut. No one can shut it. Meaning you have the opportunity. Remember when we looked at the, the equation, he is greater than I? That, that could have been true, but you could have never lived a life in devotion to God because of your sin. And Jesus took care of that. He opened the way for us to be able to do what we do, to be able to grow our faith, to be able to have a relationship with him. So as we pray for the communion, I want you to think about what Jesus did to open your door, to change. And as I do, I know all of us need a restart this week. So let's do that. Let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you for the open door that you've provided through Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for us. And it's, it's, it's intense to think that uh, that woman... Hattie uh, sat in a communion just like this a century ago and prayed for forgiveness, and you gave her a vision that changed our nation. God, help us never to undermine what a communion can do, a prayer can do, and I, I pray that you will stir us in our lives and that you'll change us in our lives. We love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for Jesus. We lift up his body. We lift up his blood, and we ask you to cleanse us and give us a new beginning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.